0: The word of God has to say. So I'd invite you uh, to join me in Deuteronomy chapter 12. We've been working our way through this book of Deuteronomy for a few months already, and uh, if you're new or you don't know what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy, you've you've missed a few weeks, God is leading his special people to their special land. As simply put as, as we can make it, God is taking a a ragtag group of people that previously had never been an official nation, had previously never had a land of their own, and he's taking them into a land that he had promised to give them. That's the story of Deuteronomy. And as they're getting ready to go into the land, Moses stops and addresses the people. And so he stops and reminds them of the ways that God has been faithful to them in the past. The way that he rescued them out of Egypt, when they were slaves in a foreign country. The way that he is getting ready to, to take them in to conquer nations that are bigger than them, with armies that are stronger than theirs, with people that they should never be able to defeat, but God has promised to give them this land. And Moses is reminding them if God is on our side, who can stand against us? And so, as we are, are entering into a, a new section that we just started last week in the book of Deuteronomy. We're looking now at how God's people are called to act. If God is calling these people to be His and is preparing to give them their own land and is preparing to give them their own identity, it's important for them to understand if God is going to be our God and lead us and we're going to be His people, what does that look like? Very, very practically, what does that look like? And so we're going to look at some temptations that come up. We're going to look at God's command to avoid contamination, avoid falling into the things that the people who were in that land that they were getting ready to go into in Canaan, some of the things that were important to them, some of the things that the evil that they were practicing. What is it about something that's forbidden or don't touch that that suddenly makes that more appealing to us? You guys ever experience that? There's times where we... We are, are just going about our day. Someone says, Don't do that. And all of a sudden, maybe I'm the only one. But there's something inside of me that goes, Now I want to. Now I'm intrigued. I've got kids at home. Uh, our youngest, Quinn, is 10 months old. And wait, no, she's 11 months old now. As of a few, I think. I'm not sure. Ask my wife. I don't want to do math up here right now. She's a little girl, and and she's crawling around and starting to get into everything, and she somehow instantly knows, that's the thing I'm not supposed to touch. That's the thing I'm not supposed to mess with. We'll put a giant basket of, of toys in front of her, the things that she can chew on and drool all over, and it's no big deal, and she wants to chew on mommy's phone, and she wants to chew on power cords. For some reason, those are the things that are, like, interesting to her, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want those. I want that. There's something inside of us that's, that's just drawn to the things that are bad for us. And the people of Israel are facing that same thing. They're getting ready to go into this land and conquer these evil nations. And there's going to be some temptation there. There's going to be something inside of them that goes, ooh, what's, what's that? What, how, how do they do that? Why are they worshiping in this way? Why are they worshiping this God? And our passage deals with some of these issues, but it deals with them in a way that's relevant for us in 2020 here as well. There's four different temptations that we're going to see, that we're just going to fly past all of these. I want to point them out to you, and then we're going to look at each one. The four temptations are, they're going to be tempted by human curiosity. They're going to be tempted by false prophets, false teachers that will come in. They're going to be tempted by friends and relatives Worshiping false gods, and they're going to be tempted by the multitudes, the crowds. Everyone's doing it. So let's take some time and look now at the first one. Temptation to worship false gods by human curiosity. In Deuteronomy, we're going to look at uh, chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. This temptation by human curiosity to worship and follow after false gods. Says in verse 29, When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them. After they are destroyed before you, that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? That I may also act likewise. You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God, for every abominable act which the Lord hates, they have done for their gods, for they even burned their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do, you shall not add to nor take away from it. These people that were living in the land of Canaan, the land that the Israelites were getting ready to go into, these people were evil, evil people. They had grossly twisted religion and, and spirituality to kind of fit their own desires, fit their own ways and and to follow after false gods. And so their personal conduct, the way that they acted, was twisted because of it. Which even included, as it mentions in verse 31, they found themselves sacrificing children to these false gods, giving themselves, giving their bodies and the bodies of their children over to just evil, wicked things and Part of that is the reason why God was giving His children this land, because God was also judging the evil that was existing in these people groups, and God was determined that that evil will not stand in the world any longer for them. The British writer Samuel Johnson called curiosity one of the permanent and certain characteristics of a vigorous intellect, saying that the way that we learn is by being curious and wondering about things. If you've ever been around a child, you have certainly heard them ask the same question that all the rest of us. You guys can, I'm sure it's there. Why? Why? Well, do this. Why? Well, because I said so. Why? Well, eat your vegetables. Why? 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 It's because they're curious. It's because they, everything in the world around them is brand new and the way that children learn is by asking that question. Why? Why does it work that way? Why do we do that? That curiosity for some people proves to be incredibly valuable as we continue to learn throughout life. There's certainly things that I still need to learn and still need to understand, and that curiosity is important to me sometimes. But there's also times where curiosity is dangerous to us. Romans 16 verse 19 tells us To be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. As a a pastor over the last 12 years or so that I've been working in the church, much of that time I spent investing in youth ministry. We've got some wonderful people here that do youth ministry, the Wagners, the Shoemakers, the Ruizes. They do a great job with our young people, but... But as I was thinking about this, there was one young person that came to mind. His name was Ben that I had uh, in one of my youth groups years ago. And Ben had a, an outlook on life that may not be unique to just Ben, but it was problematic for him because Ben's outlook on life was it didn't matter what dad said or what mom said. It didn't matter what the youth pastor said. It didn't matter what the Bible said. It didn't matter what his teacher said. It doesn't matter if that That thing is dangerous. He wanted to experience everything for himself. He wanted to experience everything that life had to offer. And so anything that that he could find to to try, he thought it was important for him to try. He thought it was a good idea that, well, I need to learn for myself. I don't want to just trust what somebody else has to say. And that curiosity proved to get Ben in a, a lot of trouble sometimes. A lot of trouble sometimes. I had to sit back and watch Ben make some, some really bad decisions, but it was because he didn't trust what Paul said here in Romans 16 to, to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. As we mature in our faith, as we become grounded in the Word of God, it's okay for us to, to learn about what another religion believes, but only, only so that we might be able to share the truth with them. Not because there's something to be learned, or to be considered from another religion that disagrees with this book. Guys, hear me say this this morning. We have the truth in this book right here. You have the truth in your hands in the Word of God. Everything that we evaluate in the world, we evaluate it against what God has to say in His Word. Even our own experiences fall secondary to what God says is true in His Word. So, curiosity of, well, I wonder what that religion believes about this. I wonder what Dr. Phil has to say about this situation. Other things, it's not wrong to be curious, but it can prove dangerous. Because as we saw in the children of Israel, they went into this land, they went into this a place where they were going in to live and to possess and they looked at the ways that the Canaanites were living and they looked at the things that, that they were doing and the ways that they were worshiping their gods and they became curious and they wanted to learn and they even fell into the same slippery slope. Our verses here talk about how the Canaanites sacrificed their children to false gods and if we look in First Kings we see that the Israelites became curious and ultimately fell into the same temptation, that they would sacrifice their children, that God had clearly told them not to do because they were curious about what these other religions, these other people were doing. So be careful not to fall into the temptation of being curious. It's also important for us to be careful of the temptation by false prophets. Let's look at chapter 13, verses 1 through 5 together. Says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. You shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him. And cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you in the way which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. One of the key phrases in Deuteronomy 13 is this phrase, let us go after other gods. When we see things repeated... In Scripture, we we realize it that should set off a warning bell for us and say, "Hey, this is something that was important." If God thought to say it two, three, four times in the passage, we need to we need to consider that that's significant. "Let us go after other gods" shows up three different times in Deuteronomy chapter thirteen. It was a warning that God is saying, "There will be times, there will be people, there will be." Others that come up alongside of you that may look wonderful on the outside, may have a lot of great things to say, but as soon as they say, let us go after other gods, let us go and consider something other than the truth, we know that that's no longer from God. The Israelites knew that God's law prohibited the worship of idols. You shall worship no other God but me. The Ten Commandments were very clear on that. You shall have no other gods before me. But there are always unstable people who will blindly follow a successful religious leader. Someone who is charismatic. Someone who does incredible signs, incredible wonders, miracles that, that may seem just impossible to the normal natural human. And because they speak clearly, because they're engaging, because they perform miracles and, and do things that other people can't do, there are people who will follow along after that. But hear me say this, we do not test what God wants from us by what has a supernatural event attached to it. The Bible tells us that Satan is able to perform miracles in the same way that God is in, in times. In the history of humanity, Satan has performed miracles too. There's things that happen in the world that, that may not make sense to us, but that doesn't mean that they're from God. Not everyone, it tells us in Scripture also, not everyone who addresses Jesus as Lord is a genuine child of God. Not everyone who, who says Jesus is God, yes, absolutely, God is good. Not everyone who says that truly is following Him. And not everyone who says that truly is speaking the truth of His Word. Everything that we hear in the world, everything that we hear about religion, about God, about what we should be doing in life, every single thing should match up to what God has told us in His Word. This This book that that you're holding, that I'm holding, is special, is different. God, it it tells us in there that these words are breathed out directly from the mouth of God. And as we just sang earlier, God never changes, right? God is the same yesterday and today and, and will be the same forever. And so if God is telling us something, if you feel like God wants you to do something, the first thing that you should do is look in His Word and make sure that it's consistent with what He has been telling us throughout history. I can stand here and I can tell you with absolute certainty, it doesn't matter how much you pray, it doesn't matter how many people tell you, if God has told you to go rob Target, I can tell you with absolute certainty that is not what God told you. That may be bad tacos or something else going on inside of you, because that's not from God. I don't care if you prayed about it. I don't care if someone else told you that's what they think. God is always consistent with His Word. And so when we hear anything that we're tempted to believe, it's important for us to go back and to check what the Bible has to say about that. It's important for us to know what the Bible says. That's why it's important for you to read this book more than just on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. That's why it's important for you to know what this has to say and spend time studying it and reading it for yourself. Because there are false teachers that the Israelites had to deal with and there are false teachers that we have to face and we have to deal with. False things that we deal with every single day. And the question is, how will we deal with those things? How will we deal with the temptations of false prophets? Will we just listen to what they have to say, sit back and ponder and think, that seems reasonable. I'll believe what they have to say because that makes, that makes sense to me. Is that the only checkpoint that we have for what is true or not true in our life? Or is there something more? Is there a greater truth that we look to and that we run to? So the question here is, how do we avoid following the wrong path? How do we avoid following after these false teachers? And these verses, good news, guys, they have input on that as well. It says that you shall follow after the Lord your God. It says that you shall cling to Him, that you shall walk after Him in some translations. To hold fast. The Hebrew words, Dabek. Dabak or Dabek. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't know. You come let me know how to pronounce it. It shows up five different times in the book of Deuteronomy. And this word can be translated in different places in Scripture as a belt clinging to the skin, or it's, it's translated in Genesis as a, as, as a husband clinging to his wife. What it tells us is, as we're supposed to cling to God, we're supposed to hold fast, that, that if we follow after God, if we constantly are seeking Him, seeking what He wants, what He desires, What he says is best. If we're close to him, the temptation to follow after some other God, to follow after some other prophet, to follow after some other religion, it's not tempting. The the, the way to overcome temptation to follow after something else is not by focusing on that. It's by fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's by fixing our eyes on the true God. And if we will cling to Him, if we will follow Him closely, if we will walk with Him constantly, no temptation will draw us aside. We avoid following after false gods when we're in love with the true God. We have to be careful of the temptations of curiosity, of of wondering what the world has to offer. We have to be careful of the temptations of false prophets but we also have to be careful of the temptation by friends and by relatives. Look with me at verses 6 through 11. It says, If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known, the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, for your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him, for you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death, because he has sought to seduce you from the land the Lord your God has brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then all of Israel will, will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. Hear me say this now. This is one of those instances where, you guys remember last week we talked about, there's things that directly apply that we look at it and we read it and we go, oh, well, I need to start doing that today. And there's things that were written for a specific people, for a specific context that that maybe we don't take and directly apply here. We're not stoning anyone here today. We're not murdering anyone here today. God doesn't want you to go out and find the co-worker that has a different belief system than you and murder them tomorrow when you go into work. These people were living in a a country that was led by God. Their justice system was being implemented differently. And so we don't take exactly what it says and apply it exactly to today. But here's what we do see. Here's the principle that we do know about what God has to say here. God takes false religion very seriously. God takes believing in something else very seriously. And, and it doesn't matter who that person is or what that influence is. It doesn't matter how close they are to you or how distant they may seem. As I was sitting here studying this week, not here, I wasn't sitting here studying. As I was sitting studying this week, I was thinking about how it was probably fairly easy for them to recognize a false teacher and want to seek to punish someone that they didn't really know. That guy's teaching lies. We need to to get him out of here. But what if it's your wife? What if it's your child? What if it's someone that's close to you? Are we still willing to stand up for what God says if it's someone that we love? Or, or are we tempted to, to hide it away and to pretend like it's, it's not that bad? Even if a man's own wife enticed him to worship an idol. That, that phrase, that command is something that we have a story of how that happened. King Solomon comes to mind in 1 Kings 11 where His wife started to follow after false gods. King Solomon was forced to choose between the God that he loved and the woman that he loved. The Jews were called, they were commanded to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their strength, with everything that was in them. Every corner of their life was to be for God and for God alone. They were called to love God even more than they loved their family, even more than they loved the people that were close to them. You may say, well, that was, that was the Old Testament. That was for the people of Israel. Well, Jesus doubled down with a similar condition for us, for the church, in Luke chapter 14, when he said that if anyone was to follow after him, he must hate his own mother. He must hate his father. What he's saying is, Nothing stands above me in your life. God's saying that it doesn't matter what there is going on in your world. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you have kids. It doesn't matter if you have a successful career. It doesn't matter who you are or what's important to you. I get to be number one. I will be the king. I will be above anything else in your life. And so we see here, we see this temptation Nothing on earth is as important as someone's relationship with God. And anything that acts as a deterrent to one's relationship with God must be attacked, must be killed like a dangerous poison. We all sit here, and, and I think if we were to think of this as disease, it would make a little bit more sense to us. Because if we were to sit here and we were to talk about how someone that you love has cancer, well, we would all sit here and agree that the loving thing to do would be to to cause a little pain in that person's life, right? We can't just sit here and know that a person's body is is, is dealing with tumors and, and there's all of this infection and, and, and sickness living inside of a loved one and say, well, I don't want to cut them. I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt them. So we're just going to Pretend like that's not happening. Pretend like that's not there. The loving thing to do would be to, to carve that out. To, 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 to pinpoint what's going on that's wrong and to remove it. In the same way, we have to stand up for what is true. Anything that's a deterrent to our relationship with God, anything that's, that's a deterrent to someone else that's close to us, their relationship with God, we have to protect that. God has to be the most important thing. So we see these temptations of false prophets, of curiosity, of of family and friends and loved ones and wanting to protect them. and, And there's one final thing that we see, the temptation by the multitude in verses 12 through 18. Look with me as we read together. says, if you hear in one of your cities which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods whom you have not known. Then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true and the matter established that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it, And it's cattle with the edge of the sword. You shall gather all its booty in the middle of its open square and burn the city and all its booty with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be in ruin forever. It shall never be rebuilt. Nothing from that which is put under the band shall cling to your hand in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he has sworn to your father's. If you will listen to the voice of the Lord your God keeping all His commandments which I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. If a person has committed a sin, if a person has committed wickedness and and done something against what God has commanded, it doesn't really matter what the crowd has to say about it. The fact that hundreds of people approve of what this person has done doesn't really matter because God doesn't decide what's right and wrong based on what other people have to say God governs his people by decree not by consensus we follow God and we follow him not in a democracy not in somewhere that we get to vote on yeah we're we're good with that one or no that one's wrong we should we should call that sin We follow based on absolute truth that God is love, that God is truth, that God is justice, that God is the epitome of all these things that we believe, all these things that we hold to. And in doing that, it's important for us to realize that sometimes it doesn't matter what the crowd says, because sometimes the crowd is wrong. There are times in history where the crowd has been wrong, right? We can look back at the history books and go, oh yeah, that, 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 they really missed it there. Oh yeah, they really missed it there. In our own nation, we've had times, oh yeah, we really missed it there. Just because the crowd says something is right, doesn't make it right. Just because other people around you say, oh, that, that's not that bad. That doesn't mean that it's true. It just means that that's what they say. God governs His people by decree, not by consensus. I pondered this idea this week as I was studying. How could an entire town in the, people of, in the nation of Israel get to the point where God would, would look to them and in these verses that we just read say, there is nothing good there they have practiced idolatry. They have worshipped another god. The best thing for me to do would be to wipe them out. To leave their, their, their people, to leave their city, to leave everything that they owned in a giant flaming pile in the middle of the city. To leave this heap of just destruction. How is that, how did, how did we end up there? How is that the point that we've gotten to? And, And I think the answer is in the previous verses that we just looked at. The reality is that by failing to deal with the first person's idolatry, we saw the rest of the the town, we saw the rest of the people go along with it. What started with curiosity turned into someone believing and teaching something that was false. Turned into people that were close to them either agreeing with or, or, or turning a blind eye to... The evil that was going on around them that they saw, but they didn't deal with the way that God had told them to. And ultimately, it got to the point that just like cancer, it began to spread. Just like dangerous disease that, (laughs) I know, I, I see a bunch of you coming in with the sniffles. Those diseases start to spread. Those germs start to infect other people. And idolatry is no different. Worshipping something other than the true God. Believing something other than the truth. It's dangerous. Because it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect that person. It impacts the world around them. It impacts your life. It impacts our city. It impacts our country. It impacts our world. We can't just turn a blind eye to letting someone else believe What's true for them? What's true is true. What's a lie is a lie. It doesn't matter. There is no true for them. What's true is what's true. And we hold it in our hands every day. And if we look at the next 600 pages or so in your Bible, we see the reality that That God takes this seriously. That God takes people worshiping other gods seriously. Turning their affections to other things seriously. And His people, that He was getting ready at, at our point in the story, He's getting ready to take them in and to give them a land and to make them a nation. That nation will fall further on in the story. You know why? Because they loved other gods. They worshiped other gods They gave their affections and they gave themselves to other things that were not worshiping the one true God. And God would rather His people be wiped off the map, be taken into captivity, to be taken to Assyria, to be taken to Babylon, to be taken and removed from their land, to no longer be a nation and a people group. He would rather them be punished than to worship after these false gods. Than to do what is clearly wrong. I'm gonna invite the band to come up as we begin to to wrap up. Our prayer team is gonna be up here after the service if if what we've looked at today, if what we've talked about today resonates for you at all. If there's a temptation in your life that, that you realize as you sit and ponder and think this morning. Is there something that receives more of your affection than God? Is there something that's, that's more important to you than God? Because if there is, please don't leave here this morning giving your heart to, to other things. Please don't leave here this morning giving yourself to something other than God and God alone. Let's deal with that this morning. Let's, like the Israelites were supposed to, Say, God, my life is for you and for you alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your work in our lives. God, we thank you for this warning this morning that that we are to worship you and to worship you alone. God, may we give ourselves to you. May we worship and love and adore you and nothing else. God, the things of this world that may... Entice us, that may tempt us. The false beliefs that exist in our world every day around us. God, may we stand for the truth. May we stand in a way that we identify I am a Christian. I've given my life to God and to Jesus and to Him alone. And what He says is true is what I believe is true. God, may we believe your truth. May we trust your best for us, and may we worship you, al- you, you and you alone. Not some false religion, not some false ideology, not even something that just seems okay. God, may we trust you, trust your word, and give our lives to you. Amen.